Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. We have recently moved our Sunday services and midweek connect groups online to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Join us for Church at Home this Sunday by logging on to christchurchlondon.online.church at 10am, 11am, 5pm, 7pm or 8pm for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. all our friends at Christchurch London, wherever it is you find yourselves right now, John and I send you our warmest greetings. And for those of you who don't know us, we love your church and we count your leaders, David and Philippa, among our dearest friends. And so it is fun to be with you today as we celebrate Pentecost. So let me read you the historical events that happened on that day as recorded in the Bible at the beginning of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The events of Pentecost, what actually happened, were really extraordinary. Leaping flames, howling gale force winds, a cacophony of languages. These things were experienced. They were heard, they were seen, they were felt. Little wonder a crowd had gathered, amazed and perplexed, we're told. And little wonder they could hardly actually be forgiven for thinking that these disciples had been drinking. At which point Peter jumps to his feet, raises his voice and begins to explain. Now just remember who this is. Only weeks before, this man had been cowering furtively, denying point blank that he had ever known Jesus at all. And now here he is, bold as brass, preaching possibly the greatest sermon of all time. Let me explain this to you, he says. Listen carefully to what I say. These people haven't been drinking, as you suppose. It's far too early in the morning for crying out loud. So you may ask, what is all this about? What is going on here? I think there are three things going on. First, of course, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Exactly as Jesus himself had predicted in his last words, actually, to his disciples. He said this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Pentecost is all about power. And nobody who reads these accounts could ever really think otherwise. And of course, it had been anticipated centuries before, way back in the Old Testament. The prophet Joel had prophesied, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, both men and women. The prophet Samuel had prophesied over King Saul, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, Saul, and you will be changed into a different person. 
And now, the same Holy Spirit has been poured out, unleashed in a startling new way. So much so that these ordinary people have received God's power because the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And so we have Peter changed from coward to champion, from pathetic figure to preacher extraordinaire, and all within the course of a day. And you know, the same thing is happening today as the Spirit is poured out. Lives are being transformed, bodies are being healed, nerves are being steadied, demonic powers are being broken, marriages are being rescued and families strengthened. We're hearing stories all the time of wonderful things that are happening as the Spirit of God is poured out. A friend of mine was recently praying for a woman over the phone, actually. And this woman was a young nurse and she was suffering from a cracking migraine. One of those really grim ones. It was affecting her head, it was affecting her sight, she couldn't work. And so my friend said, well, let me pray for you over the phone there and then, as she did. And as she prayed, this woman's head cleared, her eyesight was fine, she went straight back to work great. And then another story of a young man who was suffering, struggling with really bad toothache. And it's hard to imagine anything worse than that sort of pain with absolutely no access to a dentist. And so a young man from the church prayed for him over a Zoom link. He didn't know him, but he said, do let me pray for you, which he did. And in an instant, as he prayed, the toothache cleared. Just like that. The Spirit of God was poured out. Ordinary believers are praying for the sick. Ordinary believers are feeding the hungry, visiting the prisons, caring for the brokenhearted. And now, remarkably enough, more than ever before, I suppose, thanks to the combination of the internet and the Holy Spirit himself, people are finding faith. People are being helped and encouraged as never before. People have taken the chance to talk to the lonely and the forgotten. And those are just struggling with surviving. On the day of Pentecost, then, the Spirit of God was poured out. Secondly, on the day of Pentecost, the gospel was preached. As so often with Christianity, experience followed by explanation. They go hand in hand. And so here, Peter begins to explain. This brusque, uneducated, unlettered fisherman, he has a new level of energy, a new ability to do things he could never have done before. And with this new power unleashed, this new spirit of God poured out on him, he presents to the crowd the good news, the gospel of Jesus, we sometimes call it in a way that is brilliantly ordered, rationally argued, masterfully presented. I suppose it was one of the most immediate dramatic results of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Now, essentially, Peter's sermon was all about Jesus. Jesus, this phenomenal figure who lived an extraordinary life and died an excruciating death. H.G. Wells was a historian, and he wrote this. He said, I am a historian, although I am not a believer. But this penniless preacher from Galilee is irresistibly 
the center of history. Albert Einstein, whose own background, of course, was Jewish, he said this, no one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. Dostoevsky, the Russian writer, he said this, he said, I believe there is no one deeper, no one lovelier, no one more sympathetic, no one more perfect than Jesus. And I do have to say, I'm with Dostoevsky. Peter highlighted several aspects of this man, Jesus. First of all, he spoke about Jesus and his life. Jesus of Nazareth, he said, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's talking about the historical Jesus, the man of time and place, whose life had been so notable to all of them. And then Peter went on and spoke about his death, actually in shocking terms. This man, he said, this Jesus was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. He rebukes them. He spares them nothing. He has the crowd hanging their heads in shame and rightly so, recognizing the outrage to which they had all contributed so recently. They had offended God by slaughtering his only son. Only weeks before. So Peter is persuading them of a brutal truth. He's rebuking them for their sins against God himself. And of course, he's appealing to them to hear him, to respond, and to escape the judgment which is their due. No wonder they were cut to the heart. No wonder they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then, of course, Peter spoke about Jesus and his resurrection. He said this, God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. It's a fact. It happened. We saw it. We were there. Jesus' crucifixion is not a defeat, but a victory. Because he was the conqueror, he could be the liberator. And we've seen this, haven't we, illustrated only very recently as we celebrated um, VE Day and the victory of the Allies over the Nazis on mainland Europe. Liberation was only possible because the enemy had been defeated and victory had been secured. And in the same way, Jesus is the supreme conqueror of death and thereby the ultimate liberator from its power. And so it was only at Pentecost that Peter was given the power and the ability to explain the real meaning of Easter the resurrection of Jesus, what's been described as a robustly bodily event, leaving a definitely empty tomb behind it. And having raised him from the dead, more than that, 
God exalted him. God lifted him up. God raised him to his right hand on high, the position of absolute and ultimate authority. It's amazing. One of the early church fathers was a man called Athanasius, and he was living and working in the fourth century. And he wrote this. He said, if we were to try and number the achievements of our saviour, it would be like gazing across the open sea and trying to count the waves. And I think that's what Peter is doing here. I think he's numbering the achievements of our saviour. And it is wonderful stuff. But still there was more. Peter went on and he went on to explain. He said, Jesus, it's Jesus who has sent the Holy Spirit. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So given that Jesus is all that he is and has done all that he's done, given that it was all at the Father's instigation, according to his purposes, his knowledge, his, if you like, forward planning, given that it was all done through the power of the Holy Spirit, given all this, Peter's conclusion rings out. Therefore, he says, therefore be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It's a fabulous conclusion. That God raised Jesus so powerfully from the dead establishes once and for all that he is the true king, the true king and Lord over all and for all time. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, supremely established in the coming of Jesus. The Jesus who lived and died and was raised and is seated now at God's right hand from where he has sent out the Holy Spirit. So at Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. On the day of Pentecost, the gospel was preached. And I think the third thing, on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. The church was born that day as a direct result of the Spirit having been poured out and as a direct result of the gospel having been preached. As people heard it all explained, we would say that the Spirit of God fell on them they suddenly realised the enormity of their need, the dire straits in which they found themselves. They were cut to the heart, it says. And their cry was, what hope is there for us? What on earth shall we do? And Peter's reply was, of course, life-changing for the 3,000 people who responded on that day alone. Repent and be baptised, he said, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's very clear from Peter's sermon that coming to Christ, putting your faith in him, trusting in him, and receiving his Holy Spirit, they go together, they go hand in hand. One doesn't happen without the other. And as all those people repented, as they acknowledged their sins and recognised their need for saving, as they received forgiveness for all that was past and new hope for all that was to come, 
as they turned away from their old way of life and began to identify with a new community of believers, adopting a really rather radical new lifestyle. So, the church was born. The church began. It was a pretty subversive and dangerous thing to do, especially if you were a Jew living under Roman occupation. Peter had also said, um, what did he say? Uh, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And it remains a brave thing to do, even this day, not just to swim with the stream, not just to go with the flow, not just to follow the crowd, but to repent, to turn around, to go in another direction, to humble oneself, to face up to sin and admit one's need, to sign up and join in. But I have to tell you, the rewards and the repercussions are beyond measure. To believe and to belong is just such a relief, and not least in these, the most disorientating of times. There's such a freedom to be reveled in. There's everything to live for and indeed to die for. And Paul wrote to the Philippians, rightly so, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And how fascinating too, that when Peter describes this new community, the church as we now know it, It is as a community whose life is organized not around political power or military might imposed from above, not from violent revolution brought about from below, but a community based on love for one another. That was the outstanding characteristic of the early church and may it still be so. Indeed, in the beginning, some of the onlookers, as they watch what was happening, would say, see how these Christians love one another. A community whose life together was formed, shaped in a very different way, a very new pattern around the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And we're told that as these people, as the church, as these new believers gathered and lived together, they praised God. Of course they did. They had everything to praise him for. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of the people. And unsurprisingly, the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And we might add, has been doing so every day since. So Pentecost is a great day. It's a great day to respond to Peter's explanation of the gospel. How Jesus saves and transforms us, can forgive us our sins and set us free, can give us a fresh start, everything to live for and indeed to die for. It's a great day to buy in, as it were, maybe for the first time, to become part of that new community of believers that we call the church, to enjoy the benefits of believing and belonging. And of course, it's a great day to be filled yet again with the power of the Holy Spirit. Deal Moody was once asked whether he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he famously replied, yes, but I leak. Every day, many times a day, we can come back to the Lord and ask him to fill us again with his Holy Spirit, to empower and equip and enable us to do those things we could never otherwise do to live life to the full. And to remember that Jesus said, now how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to
to those that ask him. And what better day on which to ask him than now, on the day of Pentecost? And I'd love to suggest that if you'd like to, we could pray together just for a moment before we finish. And it does seem a strange way to do this, I know, and we're not familiar with it. But you know, I have also discovered in the last little while that the Lord is not confounded by any of this. He's not been caught out. He's not lost the plot. And he is able to break through any circumstance by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart that as we pray together, the Lord will come to you. He'll come and answer your prayers. He'll come and be with you. He'll come and pour out his Spirit upon you if that's what you'd like to ask him to do. But you know, even before we do that, I would also love to pray a slightly sort of personal first person prayer, if you like, because I wouldn't be surprised that there aren't many people out there who perhaps for the first time have heard about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They've heard about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And maybe this is the day in which they would really like to respond to that. So if you let me, I'm gonna pray. And if you'd like to, you can join in. You can either pray aloud, you can pray in your own heart, you can pray on your own, you can pray in your home, you can pray with your, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, you are absolutely free to pray this if you'd like to. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are who you said you are and you did these wonderful things. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me that you went through the most unspeakable agony for me, to forgive me of my sins and to set me free, to give me a new life, a fresh start, everything to live and to die for. I acknowledge my need of you. I admit, I repent, I regret. I'm so sorry for the things that have passed that I do regret. And I want to turn around and turn in a new direction and follow you. Dear Lord Jesus, today, on the day of Pentecost, I ask you to come into my life and to be with me from this day forward, forever. Amen. Amen and amen. And now Lord, we invite you, we invite you to come by your Holy Spirit upon your people, wherever they are, whatever their circumstance, Holy Spirit, come. Come with your power. Come with your sweet presence. Come and do what only you can do. Lord, come and heal our bodies where they ache, where they hurt, where they give pain. And because I was talking about it, I've been aware, I suppose, of people with those awful cracking headaches, migraines, eyesight affected. Lord, would you come to those? Would you clear their heads? Would you sharpen their vision? We pray for problems with people's eyes and with their ears. And I would encourage you, even as you sit there, put your hands on your ears. Put your hands over your eyes and pray, Holy Spirit, come. Bring relief. Bring healing. Restore sight. Improve hearing. Do the things that you alone can do. 
And Lord, would you come to toothache? Would you come for people whose jaws are aching and whose teeth hurt? And would you, would you deal with that pain right now by your Holy Spirit poured out in this moment? I pray for people whose joints are aching, who are feeling unfit, who are feeling stiffened up and, and uneasy as they move around, who are missing the sort of lifestyle which keeps them moving. Lord, come with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Soften, ease, help, heal. And Lord, I pray too that by your Spirit you would come and you would relieve terrible depths of anxiety, that you would deal with fear in us, that you would deal with all the things that are worrying us, financial things, relational things, family things, stresses from all living on top of each other too much, whatever it is that you know is stressing you and making you anxious and bringing fear. For those of you who've been bereaved, either directly or who know people who have, Lord, these are difficult days in which we need you more than ever. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you bless your people as they turn to you in these moments? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you that long after this is finished, you go with us. And so I pray that the Lord may bless you and keep you, that he may make his face to shine upon you, that he may lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, and that you will be blessed by God the Father, God the, Holy, the Son, and God the precious Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.